Spitgate. Venice Film Festival, <laughs> not Spitgate. <laughs> yes, Spitgate. Happy Wednesday. Welcome back to Subtitles On or Off. I'm Bailey. And I'm Jess. And we are just two gal pals. We love talking about movies, TV shows, celebrity news. Um, and we made a podcast to have a fun place to talk about it. We sure did. Also gives an excuse to hang out every week. To, yeah, a little <laughs> to bit. Talk about we things. used to hang out more and now it's like, all right, record podcast. It's all business. No pleasure. Booked and busy. Yeah. <laughs> we honestly really hustled this week like yeah we did we hustled the schedule for... was jam-packed yeah we had what a pretty, did we do yeah we had a pretty good weekend what did we do we um a good friend of ours turned 30 or is turning 30 so we had a little early celebration we went camping which was your first time right it was my first camping experience and you loved right i loved it it was so much fun i mean i think that the biggest thing was that i felt very safe and like in good hands with our friends yeah. that are experienced campers, but also I just knew it would be a good time because I love hanging out with our friends. So I was down for whatever was about to happen. And I thought I came underprepared, which might've been true, but everybody else was equally, or they were overprepared. Yes. So like that's I was how, covered. that's how I felt too. I was like packing for this trip and I was like, I don't have that many camping equipment you know like yeah. i'm not fully prepared but i knew we were going with very prepared people so i'm like whatever i don't have someone else is gonna have for sure like i was frantically searching around my house for a lighter and i was like bailey first of all you're not gonna be lighting the fire someone else is gonna have a lighter <laughs> yeah like multiple people are well, also like read the group chat everybody was like i have a camping cook set i'm gonna bring lighter fluid yeah. we're picking up propane on the way <laughs> yeah it was fully prepared although funny story about me not bringing a lighter i was the second person at the campsite so i'd be our host there i'd be oh, Alyssa wow. there okay and um another one of our friends was there and we were just kind of chatting it was dark and he comes up to me and he goes hey do you have a lighter oh no <laughs> i was like actually no i don't i was gonna bring one but i figured everyone else would have one but he was like yeah, I brought one. I just can't find it. Because he was going to start up the fire so it would make it easier for the cars of our other friends to find us. Uh-huh. And I was like, this is just perfect. I was like, God damn it. Like, <laughs> so I now should... you're just sitting in the dark? Yeah. I had a flashlight. I had a powerful flashlight. That's neither here nor there anyway. I did have plenty of lighting. That was the one thing that I had equipment for because the power in my apartment apparently likes to go off pretty often right and so <laughs> my dad as a joke one year all he got me for christmas was like lighting i have like <laughs> six flashlights i have six <laughs> candles and i have this humongous lantern situation so that's i brought the lantern yeah you had a cute lantern it was, it was cute nice. right it was very bright right um so there were moments when we were like we don't need bright. that no. we like that ain't the vibe right now but like just having the lantern i was like i'm a little pioneer girl i'm gonna go for a walk right now yeah. <laughs> But yeah, that so was good. fun. No, it was really fun. And so we got back from the camping trip and we had to quick hurry skedaddle over to AMC to watch Don't, Don't Worry, Worry Darling. Darling, which we will be covering in today's podcast. We're so excited. We will also be covering all the tea that has happened There's this so year. There's so much drama surrounding this movie. It's so insane. Like, yeah, a lot happened. We'll get into that later. But um, did you watch anything this week? 
before we went camping? I did not watch anything this week. Um, I'm still in a rewatch phase of Gilmore Girls. It's fall. I'm feeling the, the little Gilmore Girls vibe. But yeah, what about you? Did you watch? What did you watch? Mm-hmm. Um, I dabbled in a couple things. I'm okay. still watching the weekly releases of the Legacy Lakers show. And damn, that show is good. Yeah. Like, I don't know what it is. I still into a sports documentary. Um like just emotional intense they left last week on a cliffhanger like great storytelling Ooh. i watched the first episode of handmaid's tale i think there's a few episodes out now yeah um but i did watch the first episode of the new season so that was really good and then i watched the netflix movie do revenge with camila mendez maya hawk with like every netflix star ever in that yeah show or yeah in that movie. well the boyfriend from euphoria was in it i think his name's ethan in euphoria yeah um and then like sarah michelle geller was in it my hawk's in it my hawk and then um pope from outer banks was in it yeah that was fun so crazy. um but like seriously honestly great movie i looked it up it did get an 85 percent on rotten tomatoes crazy which i was surprised by I do want to watch it. I remember when the trailer came out, I was like, this is interesting. Well, see, I had the opposite experience. The Mm -hmm. trailer did nothing for me. I didn't want to watch it. I didn't want to figure out how Camila Mendez is still playing a high schooler. Because she really doesn't look it. No. And then I don't think I even watched the trailer enough to know that Sarah Michelle Gellar's in it. Oh. Yeah. I'm sorry, was that a spoiler? No, I don't think so. I thought people knew that. Um, yeah, so that was a fun little tidbit. Because Love her. What yeah. a little reboot for her. Well, like- exactly. And it was the perfect role because this movie was so, like, camp, not, like, camp rock camp. Right. Or, like, camping camp. <laughs> like but- the Met Gala camp. Yes, camp. <laughs> so camp, high school drama. Like, it's giving Mean Girls. It's giving Pretty in Pink. Like, it's giving John Tucker Must Die. It's giving John Tucker. It's giving 10 Things I Hate About You. Yeah. Like, all of it. Cute. And it was so cute and funny and heartfelt. And, like, we got a makeover scene. That was fun. Soundtrack, great soundtrack. We got Olivia Rodrigo, Billie Eilish. They played Happier Than Ever. I was like, this is my new favorite movie. And so... You're like, if Billie's in it, I'm watching it. Yes. But no, what really sent it for me was Sophia Bush's Instagram post about it, which I sent you. Right. And I literally... I think I sat down to watch something else. I might have been, like rewatching something because I had nothing else to watch and I'm scrolling on Instagram and I see Sophia Bush's post and I was like I'm watching this right now yeah and I literally did I turned it on I did watch it in two parts you're gonna yell at me <laughs> it was a weeknight I watched an hour and I watched the second hour the next night that's just how I roll <laughs> that's so funny to me so um anyways yeah it was really good I'm not gonna spoil it for you because I want you to watch it yeah, I will but watch it. um really cute like funnier than I thought it would be but also it was like you know teenager makes mistakes and learns lesson but like in the most insane way huh but also didn't hate it because you know how I feel about high school movies so I'm yeah. like I wasn't sure about it but um, especially high school Netflix movies yeah they can be cheesy they no be honestly bad. I think this is one of Netflix's best ones I mean it nice. got 85% on Rotten Tomatoes that's insane I mean I trust anything Sophia Bush says that's like, what I'm saying that's why Sophia I, Bush, I turned it on I trust the, like I turned it on right then and there she is my queen from day one I love her fantastic well speaking of Netflix so over the weekend or it could have been Friday Netflix to dumb festival happened mm-hmm. where they kind of announced like new releases new projects and like 
trailers for upcoming stuff. It's like that Disney Day or what is yeah, it called? Yeah, it's kind of, yeah. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, Disney, it's kind of like the upfronts, like there's, those are for network shows, but it's yeah. similar to that. Um, so a couple of things were released slash announced. So Outer Banks season three teaser trailer dropped. Ooh, it looks so good. It does look good. They gave us they gave us some like flashes of action sequences, and then they gave us some funny clips. Like we got JJ like diving off the cliff. Yeah, and a few scenes that looked like it wasn't in um, Poglandia. Yeah, yeah. So I wonder where they're going this time. Well, because Rafe is in it, like. You know, I mean, all of the, yeah. you know, and and Cam and all those people are still in it. So we're probably going to get the both side, like both storylines and whatnot. I kind of hope we get more of what their parents are going through. Because, like, Key's parents were hanging up, like, missing signs. Oh, my God. Yeah. And Pope's parents, yeah. too. So that'll be interesting. So they didn't release a date, but they did say it was sometime in 2023. I'm assuming it's probably going to be around March. That's typically when they release it. But who knows? It yeah. looks good. They've gotten pretty good at releasing on, like, holiday weekends when everybody's just going to binge it. Yeah. Honestly, not even on a holiday weekend. No. I will binge that in a day. I'll binge it on a Thursday night if I got work <laughs> Friday. I don't care. I'll watch the whole thing. Um, You, season four teaser also dropped. We're in Paris, baby. We are. And this this season is going to be a two-parter. So they're doing, what do you mean a two-parter? They're going to do part one. Is going to be released on February 10th, 2023, and then part two is going to be March 10th, 2023. So they're doing, oh, like, so a little like Stranger, Stranger Things, things situation. Yep. I wonder if it's going to be, like, half and half, or if it's going to be Stranger Things, like, a whole-ass movie in part two. Yeah, I don't know. It might just be, like, a 5-5 a five, five situation, like, five episodes. How do you five. feel about you? Are you a you fan? I am. I don't think I finished season three yet. I think I'm halfway through it. I do know they're in Paris. Like, I know that much. Um... But I, I love the first two seasons. Mm-hmm. I think when I started season three, I like wasn't in the mindset to watch it. Well, season three, there's a lot of love. <laughs> and love's not my favorite. No. So. But I do I do love that show. So I will catch up in time for... Yeah, you need to catch up. ...the new season. And then... Oh, I'm so excited for this one. Queen Charlotte, a Bridgerton story. Oh, yeah. Did you see that little clip they released? The clip where she's like climbing up a wall? Yes. Yeah. I am pumped because I love Queen Charlotte and her husband's storyline in Bridgerton, like seeing mm-hmm. how they were actually in love and like their union is what was able to bring like black people and with white people into royalty and all that stuff. And yeah, I'm so that excited world. for that. And that clip was just so perfect for Queen Charlotte, like, shit-talking the king. And then as I was watching, I was like, that's totally the king right now. Like, it, she, it was so cute, and I can already tell I'm going to love it. Yeah. Oh, my God, it was adorable. Do you know if the same author, because, like, Queen Charlotte's story is not part of the original series that the, you know, the book series that Bridgerton yeah. is based off of? Is there a book ba- about this? I don't think so. So I think it's probably just Shonda Rhimes taking mm. reign of like... The rights. Yeah, like people loving the queen so much and kind of wanting to know her backstory. Yeah, I think that's how it started is like the fans loved her so much. Yeah. And the moments that we got in season two. So that it's definitely like an off script essentially yeah uh moment but i was just wondering if like the because the author of the book series is involved in the show oh so maybe she's so i'm wondering if she's also involved in this just to keep consistency but honestly shonda rhimes will do a great job 
She probably could be. I mean, it's kind of similar with, like, J.K. Rowling with um, the new Fantastic Beast movies. Like, she signed on to write those movies, even though there's no book series about it. Right. So it could be a similar situation to that. Yeah, I'm sorry. The new Wednesday show, based off the Addams Family, got a release date, November 23rd, day before my birthday. Um, Ooh, I'm also excited for this. Reese Witherspoon and Ashton Kutcher are doing a rom-com. Stop. For Netflix. Okay. Coming out in February 2023, and it's called Your Place or Mine. Cute. I am pumped because I love both of them. Yeah. And I also, like, we haven't had a good rom-com with the classic rom-com actors in a while. Yeah. I mean, I know we're- because they're all old now, huh? Yeah. Oh, I know. (laughs) <laughs> but I know we're getting, like, a George Clooney and um, Julia Roberts rom-com. I'm so excited for that. Which is just so fun seeing them together again, especially in a rom-com. Um, but, like, I miss those vibes with those, like, classic actors that, like, like shunned rom-coms for a bit and then started yeah. doing it. But I also don't think it's the actors that are the ones not agreeing to do rom-coms. I just don't think... Many people are writing rom-coms anymore because they're yeah. like, everyone's over it. And I'm like, I'm here to tell you, I'm not over it. Give me all the rom-coms. I watch all the bad rom-coms yeah, like, on give Netflix. give me a good rom-com. Like, give me a good one. No, there's no good scripts. It's all... Yeah. I think that we got, we had such an era. It was like all the rom-coms of the 80s and 90s. And then there's a break. And then it was like the late 2000s had their moment. And we've kind of been in a lull ever since then. And I think it's because writers you know, it's hard to do something that's never been done before. Especially when it comes to rom-com. Right. Because yeah. there's so many of them. And so sometimes I love the ones that are like putting it so in your face that it's modern day and it's like everything's on social media, everything's on dating apps, like mm-hmm. all this stuff. And sometimes that's cool. But I think that like just a good classic rom-com, like yeah. give me a good meet cute. Give, give me, me a funny scenario. Some chemistry. Yeah. Like I can't wait. Yeah, me too. I'm. This one's gonna be good. I'm very excited. So I'm. I'm guessing it's like a Valentine's Day release for sure. In February. Um, and then I don't know if you watched this. Did you watch Dead to Me on Netflix? Okay, I watched like two episodes. Well, okay, but yeah. I really liked that. And so they announced the final season, and that's coming out later this year, November seventeenth, twenty twenty two. Cool. Um, so yeah, they also announced. A couple other things. They they released some bloopers from shows and stuff like that, but those were the big headliners. Um, so I'm very, very excited. I can't wait for Outer Banks. Like, I've realized there's, like, two things I wait for in life that I'm so excited about, and it's Stranger Things and Outer and Banks. Outer Banks. <laughs> like, I... I know, and honestly, one. I'm probably going to, like, rewatch one and two before it comes out because it's just so good. It's so good. And, like... I don't know when it came out. I think it was a few months ago. Or I don't know when it came out last year. But I think it was a few months ago that it came up on my Snapchat story. Mm. And apparently I took a picture of myself with my jaw just like wide open. And it was like me at the end of every episode of Outer Banks. Like when Rafe killed Peterkin. Like jaw on the floor. Like I could like it's so good. And I'm just it's like. I don't know. It's one of their best ones. I will always have a, like, visceral, physical memory of watching Outer Banks because it was during quarantine. Mm -hmm. I was at my parents' house. I had binged the first season in, like, a night. Like, I think I pulled a full night, like, all-nighter. Like, I watched the whole thing. 
And then the next day, I went out for my friend's birthday. Like, not out. We just kind of went to her house and kind of drank a little bit. And the next day, I had the worst hangover <laughs> of my life. Of my entire life. I thought I had COVID. It was so bad. Like, oh, my gosh. I was like, what had were you chills. Drinking? I, <laughs> I couldn't tell you. Um, but as I was in my worst hangover, just laying in the chair in my living room, I was telling my brother about this show and he was like, oh, I'll watch it. I was like, sure, I'll sit down and watch it with you because I'm not getting out of this chair. I was like, I physically can't move. <laughs> like, just drinking water, <laughs> like, nothing. Bundled up. And we watched the whole first season again. So I watched it nice. twice in, like, one weekend. I had a similar experience with season two, actually, as I binged season two in a day. And then a couple of days later, I went to go visit my family. And I think it was like summertime when yeah. that one came out. And so it was so hot. And so we had the house closed up, AC on, no one wants to go anywhere. And um, I was like, we should just... Just watch Outer Banks. We should just watch Outer Banks. Well, because I think I had been telling them about it. They were like, Jess, what, did, what, did, what were you doing? And I was like, oh, so I watched this show in a day. And they were like, wow, okay. Uh, what show was it? And I was like, well, okay. It's these kids and like... There's a treasure hunt. Yeah. There's like rich kids and then there's not so rich kids and they have like conflict. But then there's also a like Romeo and Juliet situation. Of, like, like, it's like the outsiders and Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. And like fool's gold, like all in one. Yeah. 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 Like the treasure hunt <laughs> and like the twist and the turns and the suspense and yeah. the, oh, and then there's like blackmail and murder too. Like all the things you guys love. And they're like, okay, okay. we're going to turn it on right now. Exactly. That literally is what it is, though. It's so good. I remember I tried telling my coworkers because everyone was talking about it when it was like out, and I was like, "No, it's really good." Yeah. And they were like, tried to watch it, but they're all like pretty older than me, and they were like, "It's just not." It's the teenagers, I think. Right. They can't get behind. No, ex- my parents were the same exact way. They were like, "I don't know if that's like, you know, I don't, I don't. Okay, we'll we'll turn it on." And my mom's like in and out of the kitchen, and then halfway through episode two she just sits down in her chair and does not get up yeah and we watch four or five episodes straight like that yeah <laughs> like so good pretty much oh incredible okay let's get in to it let's do it the big dwd Ugh. don't worry darling don't worry darling okay before we get into the drama of it all brief synopsis of the film for those who only know about the drama and nothing about what the movie is about we will be addressing both exactly so in the 1950s alice and jack live in the idealized community of victory an experimental company town that houses the men who work on a top secret project while the husbands toil away the wives get to enjoy the beauty luxury and debauchery of their seemingly perfect paradise However, when cracks in her idyllic life begin to appear, exposing flashes of something sinister lurking below the surface, Alice can't help but question exactly what she's doing in Victory. There it is. So it's produced, starring, and directed by Olivia Wilde, the the leader of this pack. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. She was like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to be in it too. uh Yep. Starring the... Fabulous queen Florence Pugh is Alice. She did a great job. The pop king himself, the new pop king himself, Harry Styles, is Jack. My all-time favorite actor in the entire world, Chris Pine, is Frank. <laughs> Dripping with sarcasm. Go oh, away. It's giving sarcasm. Um, Olivia Wilde is Bunny. Nick Kroll, who's the most random actor in this movie, as Dean. <laughs> and oh, the beautiful Gemma Chan as Shelley. Absolutely. 
Great cast, honestly. So, so good. So it did hit number one in the box office opening weekend. Well done. Pretty impressive. We were a part of that. <laughs> with uh, $19.2 million in ticket sales. With a, here's this, and not shocked whatsoever, a 66% female audience. <laughs> yeah, that's about how it, how it goes. And like strongly Gen Z because we got the Harry, Harry Styles of it all. Yeah, well, and you and I talked about going on like opening night and we thought it would work better for our schedules, which it might have, but... Couldn't deal with the No, I was the like, the only people that are going tonight are Harry Styles super fans. Yeah. Who may or may not know movie theater etiquette. So I was like, I'm not doing it. Can't do it. Exactly. Speaking of Harry Styles, apparently he has broken a record by having the number one song and the number one movie at the box office. Wow. Which, not shocking, but... Okay, well, when you have... Good for him. <laughs> ...an EGOT, talk to me. Like... Yeah. <laughs> oh! Oh! <laughs> he ain't ever getting an EGOT. No. Like, although, we'll get into it later, he did act pretty well in this movie. Better than I thought. Not the best, but better than I thought. And then did you check out Rotten Tomatoes on this? How did it do? I did. You know, Rotten Tomatoes gave it a solid 38%. <laughs> We're not even at a 4-0. Yikes. <laughs> I was a little bit surprised by that. That's rough. I don't think that's deserving. I don't think so either. I think it's really interesting. Obviously, Rotten Tomatoes is like subjective um, the way that it's done. But yeah, personally, I think it deserves higher and to each their own opinion. But it is what it is. Yeah. I did see, though, that it did get a 79% audience score. So clearly people are liking it more than critics. Right. And that's what everyone's saying. I think you mentioned it Um to me earlier today like that basically everybody's saying like just go see the movie and see see it for yourself and we kind of went into it with that mentality as well of like yeah we know about all the drama and the celebrity gossip and all the hoo-ha going on but like we are here to appreciate the film and so I think going in with that mindset we were able to really enjoy it yeah so well, because I remember when this movie was announced that, and basically all I'd heard about it was that Florence Pugh and Harry Styles were cast in a movie together. And I was very excited about that. I was like, one, I love Florence Pugh. Two, okay, her and Harry Styles would look cute together. Let's yeah. see it. Having no idea what the movie was about, but I was like, oh, this is really exciting. So I'd heard about it a while ago. And then when the trailer dropped, I was like, ooh, this looks cool, mysterious, like, good for Olivia Wilde directing this. I really enjoyed Booksmart, which she was her first film she directed. See, I haven't seen that. What did you think of it? I really enjoyed it. It was good. It Should was a different... It? Yeah, I recommend it. Cool. Um, but no, for a first job directing, like, I thought she did a really good job. And so I was excited for this one. And then a couple months later, all the shit hit the fan. Yeah. And... I was like kind of dumbfounded by all of it. So let's yeah, let's it's get been into crazy. That. Yeah. All right, I got a full timeline for you. Let's are you hear ready? It. Okay, we're going all the way back to April 2020, which was like peak COVID. Um. April 2020, they release a brief synopsis, and the cast is announced as Florence Pugh, Shia LaBeouf, Olivia Wilde, and Chris Pine. Okay. See, I don't remember that. No, I don't either. Yeah. Um. September 2020, Harry Styles was announced to replace Shia LaBeouf due to a quote-unquote scheduling conflict. Mm-hmm. That was the press release at that time. Like, Shia LaBeouf has scheduling conflicts. Yeah, honestly. What else is he what doing? What is he doing? 
Um, apparently he's abusing his girlfriend because in December 2020, a New York Times... <laughs> you weren't ready for that one. I'm so sorry. I have a mouth full of Savvy B right now. I can't handle this. Okay. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. I was born ready. This is not a laughing matter. I know. It's so not funny, but the way that you said it, I was like, he's not doing anything. And you were like, well, clearly he's abusing his girlfriend. Oh, that's rough. Okay. It's not, it's, it's not funny. Back to business. Okay. okay. So, a few months after Shia LaBeouf was replaced in the film, in December 2020, a New York Times article was released announcing that FKA Twigs um, is suing Shia LaBeouf for sexual battery and physical, mental, and emotional abuse. Jesus, triple whammy there. Yeah. And then around the same time, Olivia Wilde posted a screenshot of the New York Times article to her IG story to express her, quote unquote, love, respect, and support for FKA Twigs. Am I saying her name right? Is that how you say it? FKA know. Twigs? Cool. I don't even know who that is. I think she's a singer. Um, and then this is when the rumors start that Shia LaBeouf left Don't Worry Darling due to, quote, exhibiting poor behavior and that Wilde fired him. Um, January 2021, filming's going on, and it's confirmed that Harry Styles and Olivia Wilde are dating. Mm. Shortly after that. Big kahuna. Yeah. Um, with 10-year age difference, like, go there. Not to mention, she was in a long-term relationship with the angel, Jason Sudeikis. Um, and so... Shortly after that, filming continues in February 2021, and this is when rumors start that Florence Pugh and other crew members were annoyed with the romance between Olivia Wilde and Harry Styles because they were, like, constantly disappearing on set. And then fast forward to December 2021, in a Vogue interview, Olivia Wilde references the oral sex scene in the film, saying that she wants her audience to, quote, Realize how rarely they see fem- female hunger, and specifically this type of female pleasure. Oh. Which this is what stirred the pot of like the oral sex scene and Harry Styles and Florence Pugh and like all the drama that everybody was creating essentially. And we'll get to that in a minute because I'm like, sh- show me where. Like the scenes were not that big of a deal in my opinion. No, and they were fully clothed. Yeah, during them. Yeah. Um, okay. April. Wait, the way I took it, the way you, what you just said that Florence Pugh said, I took it as like, she, it was like empowering for women or she was saying it wasn't? No, she was saying that it was. Okay. So that's what Olivia Wilde says, that she wanted the oral sex scene in the film to show her audience that like, to show her audience female pleasure and that we rarely see female, female hunger and specifically this type of female pleasure. Got it. Okay. Which is great and fine, but, like, I feel like, and maybe people read too much into it. Like, this is basically a recap of all of the hullabaloo that went on that the internet just took and ran with. Yeah. And she's, I'm sure she's saying, like, so much else about the film in these interviews, but these are the quotes that, like, really made the buzz. Because she's talking about oral sex, so everyone's, like, headliner. Harry Styles. Like, and we'll get to it later, like, what Florence Pugh says about it. Um... But just a touch on, like, the scenes that she's referring to, like, if we're going to talk about 
a new way of showcasing female pleasure and the only scenes that we're talking about are where they're about to have sex and he just starts by going down on her like that's supposed to be revolutionary right well i don't know because in the first one and the, on the dinner table mm-hmm. like they kind of cut it after that as if he was only going down on her possibly and so i took that as like oh he's like you just cooked me dinner you know i'm a mm. i'm a please you kind of a situation and then it both of the scenes um, were focused on her were focused on her I so agree. i thought that was good because you just saw her face and her reaction to it yes so i did like that about that it was very much about the woman so i see where olivia was coming from in that yeah. Um, but I also see where you're coming from. I was like, they weren't revolutionary. That's been in other movies before. Right. But I do like that what's different about these scenes from other films is it stops after you see her yeah. pleasure and you don't get to see his. Yeah. I did like that. Because who cares? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> she just cooked you a meal and cleaned the house. Yeah. Like, go well, down then, on it. And then she threw it on the ground. So. <laughs> oh, I know. I was like, you just look at those rolls you just threw them all on the ground but like how are you gonna be in the moment with like a fully roasted pot roast by your face i know like are they not hungry like i would be starving (laughs) okay and then um here's where we get into the juicy stuff in 2022 okay april 2022 olivia wilde presents a new don't worry darling trailer at cinemacon and is served with custody papers that's my favorite part Oof, that was intense that was intense. And, like, Jason Sudeikis came out saying, like, that was not my intention. She, like, it wasn't supposed to happen that well, way. Well, he has no control over when they serve no. her the papers. Like, that was strictly the lawyer's doing. And I read a statement of hers about that scenario, basically saying how there was so much security at that event and COVID testing and everything. For that man to be able to get on stage took a lot of security clearance and how that happened, I don't know. So I'm kind of on her side on that of, like, how they managed for him to be able to get on stage is yeah. so unprofessional. And But I fully believe Jason Sudeikis had no part in that. Like, he was in London prepping Ted Lasso. Like, I don't think Listen, he had like, anything to do with it. Whether he was or he wasn't, somebody was pulling strings to yeah. get that guy in there. To Somebody had the malicious idea to, to do this at her. all. Yeah. 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 Like, no, it that was, was kind horrible. of fucked up. I did see, real quick on that, a funny tweet around that time. Oh, yeah. Someone saying, um, Jason Sude- there's they were like, there's no way Jason Sudeikis had any part in this because that man is fu- or that man is funny, but there's no way he could come up with something that hilarious or something <laughs> Aww, like that. Yeah. Poor Jason. Okay. And then in August 2022, about a month before the film is released... Mm-hmm. Florence Pugh seemingly rejects the excitement for the parts of Don't Worry Darling that were gaining excitement regarding, like, the sex scenes with Harry Styles, like we were just talking about. And she says, quote, when it's reduced to your sex scenes or to watch the most famous man in the world go down on someone, it's not why we do it. It's not why I'm in this industry. That's just not what I'm going to be discussing because it's bigger and better than that. And the people who made it, the film, are bigger and better than that. And I feel like that... I respect that so much because mm-hmm. it really isn't what it's about. And people were just making all this buzz and they really did make a great film. So, 
Yeah, it does suck for everyone involved and Florence being the main star of the movie to get outshined by a pop star that yeah. got cast in a first movie. That's not a primary girlfriend. actor. Yeah. And well, granted, they the, weren't dating when he was cast. Right, I get right. that. Um, but it does suck. And like we said earlier, I mean, 60% of the viewings were, were female and it's, you know, you can't disagree that a majority of those people, those women are Harry Styles fans and that's why they went to the movie. I mean, great for the numbers, great for Olivia Wilde, like great for those ticket sales, but it does suck for, for Florence in the preparation of promoting this movie of everyone's just asking her about Harry Styles. Yeah. She's like, that's not why I'm doing this. Yeah. And we, we can talk more about it later, but I think, too, this drama has outweighed the film itself. And people are talking more about the drama than they are the movie. 100%. And that's why I suggest everyone go see the movie because it was phenomenal. And we'll get into that. But, yeah. like, and I, I agree think, with like, her. I know that you want to talk about this a little bit later, but I'm just going to bring it up now because it fits so well, is the Stephen Colbert interview that was last week. Yes. And um, I think it was just, like, a day or two before the film released. And... Olivia Wilde stated it so well um, because this whole time she's been like navigating the buzz and um, being so careful with her word choices at interviews and things like that. But in the Colbert interview, she comes right out and says like her male director colleagues get to talk about their film and their vision and their work and other male directors are, you know, seen as tyrants and dictators and creative visionaries that want it their way and women have to combat all of this and olivia wilde made a a fantastic film excuse me my midwest (laughs) accent just came out right there excuse me dax shepherd is like speaking through me (laughs) midwestern accent from san diego (laughs) okay fantastic i love a dax shepherd reference (laughs) Um, but yeah, she made a fantastic film and all of her interviews have been about actor drama and yeah, that's unfortunate. I completely agree. When I was, I also watched that interview and that honestly, when she said that it kind of snapped me into my place of like, yo, you got a point. I'm like, everyone is giving you shit and that's the only thing people are asking you about and you made a phenomenal movie and you deserve credit for that. Yeah. And the fact that everyone is only asking you about this drama between your castmates, it's like no one's ever asked a male director those things. Yeah. And what I love too is when she said it, Stephen Colbert even also was like, yes, you're right. Yeah. And like kind of... He was kind of like, let me throw away my cards with all these bullshit questions on them. Yeah. It was, that was a really good interview and it kind of took me out of the drama of it all and kind of made me a little upset that I fed into it, fed into it. Yeah. Because it also made me support her a lot more woman to woman. Yeah. And I mean, what she does in her personal life is her business. Yep. Like what's going on between her and Jason and Harry and the kids. That's, that's her life. That's her business. None of that should be in the public eye. It sucks for them that it is. Um, but I hate that, especially after seeing the movie and really enjoying it and seeing how good it was, I do hate that this is the only news this movie is getting. Yeah. And it's not getting the reviews and the, the appreciation appreciation it deserves. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. 
Um, okay, continuing on, we have a few more points on our juicy timeline, uh-huh. even though we just addressed not feeding into the drama, but... Right, but just to fill, just fill you to in. Just to fill the people in. Um, okay, so in August 2022, Olivia Wilde does a Variety article that discusses everything about, you know, the film and her process and all that, but um, the buzzworthy thing that came out of that was yeah. that she talked about firing Shia LaBeouf. And she stated, quote, his process was not conducive to the ethos that I demand in my productions. He has a process that in some ways seems to require a combative energy. And I don't personally believe that it's conducive to the best performances. Which as a director, you do have to make those choices. Yeah. Her making that statement did start this fire um, that Shia LaBeouf eventually rebutes. But um, that article also touched on the rumors of Florence Pugh's frustration with the relationship between Olivia Wilde and Harry Styles. But Olivia Wilde just says that she believes the tabloid media is a tool to pit women against one another and to shame them. So that's kind of her answer to that. Basically, after that article came out, Shia LaBeouf claims that he left the film and that Wilde didn't fire him. And he actually released a video of Olivia Wilde trying to convince him to stay. Yeah, like begging him to stay. Yeah, which I hadn't seen before. Um, and she's basically like, if Miss Flo commits mm-hmm. and we all put it in together and all this stuff. But honestly, I think it would have been a very different film if it was Shia LaBeouf. Completely different. I don't Still know. worth watching. Potentially. But different. I don't think he could have played that character. Like the clean cut. Exactly. Look. Like Harry know. looked like, like we were sitting there in the theater and I'm not a Harry Styles fan. Me neither. But I was like, he looks pretty good. You're like, this man is handsome. He's very like, handsome. He is. It's like, you can't deny that. And I've never denied he's a good looking guy. Like ever. No. I'm just not on the Harry Styles bandwagon. Like I'm not. But I think he also has like a very unique style. He's always had his hair a certain way. His facial hair. Yeah. He grew his hair long at one point. He. Um, plays around with his style and gender bends and like all that yeah. really cool stuff that I actually am a fan of his for, for like the yeah, creativity. I do really like him. I'm just not like a super fan. But, right. right. But I'm, I also am not necessarily attracted to it. Right. But okay. in this film, when he had like the clean cut and the, the suit, the suit the and the tail, the briefcase, oh the God. fancy car, yeah. like it was all working for him. He looked so good. He in looked this really movie. good. Yes. I completely agree. Um, anyways, so just to wrap up the Shia LaBeouf, side of things basically also in the Stephen Colbert interview Olivia Wilde confirms that like it was sort of a mutual decision but right. also Shia LaBeouf gave her an ultimatum yeah where I think that it was Florence that he didn't want to work with and Florence didn't want to work with him yeah and so Olivia Wilde chose Florence Pugh which thank god she did because I loved her in this film which is what Olivia said too she was like I chose my actress and thank god I did queen she did great women sticking together well I re- I don't know how these messages got out, but screenshots of text messages between Florence Pugh and Shia LaBeouf got released. Shia LaBeouf released those at the same time. Okay, yeah. Because I guess he, if he gave the ultimatum of not wanting, wanting to work with Florence, it could have been from those texts of Florence had a family matter, not able to rehearse, things weren't going. Like, all of the texts or the phone calls just weren't aligning with their schedule, and... I'm guessing that's why he pulled out. I mean, I don't, we don't know. Like, right. but, but yeah, I thought her aunt, like I thought Olivia Wilde's answer on Stephen Colbert about the Shia LaBeouf issue was justified in the sense of like, he gave her an ultimatum. 
she chose Florence, therefore he left and she also just chose to go a different direction. Right. So when it comes to an ultimatum, if you got fired or or you chose to leave, it really doesn't matter. Hand in hand. Like it doesn't really matter. And so Well and also like if you wanted to leave, then it really doesn't matter if Wilde says that she fired you. Right. Because technically she did when she chose Florence. Yeah. Like she made that decision. The the decision that you made her pick, you know? Yeah. Completely different movie if Shia LaBeouf was in that. Yeah. So interesting. I haven't seen him in an acting role in a really long time, but I, I'm just imagining him in this character and I, like, I can't do can't it. can't see it. Um, two Shia LaBeouf, recent Shia LaBeouf movies I could recommend to you is um, Peanut Butter Falcon, really good, and Honey Boy, really good. Okay. Those were two that he worked on recently and they were pretty, they were pretty good movies. Okay, cool. Um, okay, last thing. Um, on September 5th, 2022 we have the Ooh. now infamous spitgate venice film festival <laughs> not spitgate <laughs> yes spitgate um all right let's talk about it so basically a video comes out that says not says but it looks like harry is spitting on spitting mr on chris, chris pine. pine he didn't spit on chris he pine. didn't it's like, so funny and i think like what people the funny thing is that people are like feeding into it so much that they're just looking for anything yeah. to grasp onto. Yeah, and then and- he like goes back to his concert and he's like, "Nope, no big deal. I just popped over over to Venice, spit on Chris Pine, and now I'm back." Yeah, and everybody was like, "Did he just say that?" But I think that's what makes it funnier because of course he didn't. No, it's like it's Harry Styles. Like I'd hate to be that person, but like that that's not him. He is too no. like his publicist would never allow that he's shit actually quite a class act like i've heard he that he's is, really nice he's british yeah. like, classy, <laughs> not, like classy okay folk. a lot of british people are assholes so just i know <laughs> that's true but he has been in the public eye for so long he wouldn't let and also what is the reasoning to spit on chris pine what beef do you have with chris pine like yeah. there's no drama between them in this whole drama of it all it's all florence Pugh and olivia wilde right so what reason would he have to spit on Chris Pine? Granted, the the clip is suspicious. Like, why did Chris Pine stop clapping in that moment? And, like, look at his lap. What happened? Yeah. I'm interested to know what happened. However, Harry Styles did not spit on Chris Pine. No, but my theory, one of my theories is that it's, like, an inside joke. Oh, could be. Because Chris Pine kind of laughed it off. Yeah. And I, like, you know how weird boys are. Uh-huh. So I, I've known boys that have... Like, their little inside joke is that they'll, like, pretend to spit on each other. And then they'll be, like, doing a fake out. And, like, they're so weird. But they'll laugh it off. But do it in front of a million cameras. That's hilarious. On, like, the most talked about movie and the drama right now. Well, the other thing that Harry Styles did in front of a million cameras at that film festival was he kissed Nick Kroll. Yeah. Okay. Which, as soon as... The yeah, movie started. Yes. We knew why. Yes. When that scene happened in the movie, because he does kiss Nick Kroll in the movie, I remember kind of looking at you and I was like, oh, that's why. Yeah. But, you know, it all makes sense. Yeah, that, but was, that was perfect. That was really good. Um, quickly, before we move on, another thing at the Venice Film Festival is everyone was starting drama of why Florence wasn't there, that she chose not to show up to the panel, when in reality... And this is what I believe. She had a scheduling discrepancy because she's filming Dune Part 2 right now. Yep, which I'm super excited for. Yes. Everyone was like, oh, she just showed up late with an Aperol spritz and kind of walked in. And I'm Looking like... Looking 
hot as hell. Oh, so good. Let's talk about it. The glitter on the legs, the septum, um, septum ring. Pe- yeah, uh, <laughs> all of it. But I'm like, yeah, if she just got done filming a 14-hour day, got on a plane, got all dressed up, got off the plane to talk about a movie that she probably doesn't really want to talk about yep. for her own personal reasons, yes, she's going to have an Aperol spritz going to that <laughs> panel. Are you kidding me? Like, well, it's also, it's just professionalism. Break. Like, you do your job that you're on right now, and you do your best to make it to yeah. the press, which is technically part of your job for what you filmed before. Yeah. Like, all that. Yeah, and Olivia Wilde's statement at the panel when people asked why she wasn't there, she described, Florence is a very successful actress. She is busy right now working on a movie. We are blessed as is that she is coming to the premiere later. Yep. The fact that she can't be here for the panel. She even thanked the director Right, for allowing her to right. come. Yeah, like it was all very professional and everyone, yeah. again, was giving Olivia Wilde crap because it sounded uh, practiced and, you know, all this shit. And I'm like, well, of course it was practiced. They're media trained. Like she yeah. knows what to say. Well, but I also- think the part that like people were trying to get out of Olivia Wilde was about like the drama and Olivia Wilde just took the high road and just like praises Florence's work, yeah. praises the work that they did on the movie together. But then I think the thing that, like, um, people were trying to read too far into was when Wilde was asked about the feud. And she, all she says is, as for, well, it's after she, like, praises Florence yeah. and her work. And she says, as for all the endless tabloid gossip and all the noise out there, the internet feeds itself. I don't feel the need to contribute. I think it's sufficiently well-nourished. Look. Honestly, well said. Uh, yes, agree. People Couldn't gave said her it better. so much shit for that, but I'm like, that is a fantastic answer. Yeah, I agree. And I'm like, after the Stephen Colbert interview, I'm like, I'm supportive of Olivia Wilde. Same. I'm like, I hate that she's going through what she's going through after, per like after directing such a fantastic movie. Like, also, can we be honest for a second? Yeah. Her interview with Stephen Colbert, I was like, oh. She's, like, really pretty. Oh, she looked great. Because I kind of forgot because she looked so weird in the movie. Yeah. She had, like, those weird eyebrows. No. Also, she was really funny in this movie, too. Yeah, yeah. But, okay. Let's get into the movie. Uh, I'm so excited. Um, What a whirlwind of a story and, like, concept and trying to figure it all out. Also beautiful. Yes. I loved it. I, I felt like I was... I mean, obviously, I was on overdrive trying to figure out what was going on the whole time. Yeah. But I was so immersed in it. I was so immersed in the city or the town, whatever you want to call Mm -hmm. it. And, like, I think that they did a great job. I I wasn't sure how scary and suspenseful they were going to go with it. Right. But I think that they did such a good job of, like, introducing those nuances in the very beginning with the haunting violins and certain musical notes that really carried us through and her humming a song but didn't know why it was stuck in her head that was a nice little easter egg and then just like the tiniest little hints that something is off which obviously we knew from the trailer we knew the premise of the movie Uh but it's so tastefully done like we got little tidbits of margaret kind of freaking out a little and and dropping these hints of like they're lying to us like why are we here and all of that. Right. Um, I just want to start off by saying the fact that Chris Pine is the bad guy in this. Love. Okay. Let's just get into it right now. All right. Let's get into it. So you're not a Chris Pine fan. I am not. How did you find him in this movie? I thought you did great. 
I thought he played this character so well. Mm-hmm. He also looked good. I'm not going to deny that fact. Thank you. Um, he played, like, he was a seductive bad guy. Yeah. And confusing. And you're like, what are you doing? And some of my favorite scenes with him was in the kitchen later in the movie with <sighs> Florence when he was like, sorry, Bunny didn't believe you. And I was like, oh, oh. And then he was like, oh, I thought you'd try harder. Like, he was challenging her. Yeah. And I was like, oh, shit. It's about to go down. And I was so excited to see Florence and Chris Pine sitting at the head of the table just oh my God, that going scene after was each like, other. That scene was amazing. Like, talk about two class, like, A-class actors yeah. going at it. And I really thought that, like, between Florence and Chris Pine, obviously Florence takes the cake. But those two really sent the whole movie and i i am a chris pine fan yeah i kind of forgot how much because <laughs> he hasn't been looking good lately but he looked good in this movie. he looked really good in this movie and i forgot like he just comes on and those blue eyes are just piercing through your soul and i i did i forgot how much i liked him and how um how much i like his voice he has an iconic voice he does have a good voice he's done like voiceovers for commercials and every time i'm like that's my man and um his voice just like feels like home you know (laughs) i mean i don't know you don't know um but no i really enjoyed him in this role and i it was so fun i mean it seemed same way I felt with Chris Evans playing a sociopath in The Gray Man. Yeah. It was so cool to see Chris Pine being a bad guy and doing it so suave and swag yeah. and seductive. And, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, we'll get to that dinner party scene later because yeah. I want to dive into that. Yeah. No, he did. He did good. I will. I will give him that. And I just want to make it known. I don't dislike Chris Pine due to his acting. I think he's a great actor. Like, I don't disregard that. I couldn't tell you what it is. I just don't like him. But no, I thought he did great. And I honestly, I remember saying to you after we left the movie, saying, I don't, I can't picture anybody else playing Frank. Like, he yeah. did such a good job yeah. in that role. And he was so charming, but also vindictive and confusing, but seductive. Yeah. Like, it was, all of it was He's just... always been able to do this thing where, which I think that great actors can use every square centimeter of their face. Yeah. And he's always been able to do this thing for me where he just gives you this look and it's all in his eyes and the lights hit his eyes and he just like, like the scene in the, I don't know what it was, like the party, I guess. He just looks at her. Yeah. And it's, he's like seeing all of her. every thought in her head like the acting in that scene just between chris pine and florence Pugh. oh my god it was all face acting yeah just with their eyes and their emotions and it was incredible you knew exactly what they were thinking yeah you knew exactly what they were feeling and it was it was beautiful the fact that actors can do that blows my mind right and not every actor can do it but they did it so freaking well i Really enjoyed this movie. I did too. It was so good. Okay, so a couple things. One of my, some of my favorite aspects that happened throughout the entire movie that I think Olivia Wilde did a really great job directing was I loved the usage of mirrors in this movie. Yes, that was huge. The layers of the mirrors around the tub when Florence would be cleaning it and you would see her in every angle. Loved that. There was a really, one of my favorite shots of the movie was her 
I think getting up from the tub, going to the sink, and you were looking in a mirror and you saw the reflection of another mirror and then you saw her face in a round mirror on the counter Mm. like there was about four mirrors in that and you only saw her face in the circle mirror and it was just i mean one one of the hardest shots to get with a camera like oh my god yeah and mirrors i mean a nightmare to not get the camera in the mirrors and to get that it was beautiful and i'm like that took so much time did you catch it uh, towards the end when she's in the bath and, and she, she looks away and her reflection doesn't? Uh-huh. Oh, She like goes underwater yeah. and her reflection looks over at her. That's so haunting. I, it was so quick. Yeah. I don't think a lot of people picked it up. That's what I, but that's I why I asked that. if you yeah. did because I didn't, I almost didn't. Yeah. I kind of did like a little like motion of like, oh, as in like, oh, I caught that. It was beautiful. Like the usage of mirrors was phenomenal. That also good props to the cinematographer oh my god yes i'm not sure who it was i didn't write it down that was my mistake however they did a beautiful job because it's not all in directing the whoever's running that camera did fantastic with that i loved like the overhead shots of them making breakfast the overhead shots of the town Mm -hmm. and then one thing that i really enjoyed like i love picking up on motifs and the way that cinematographers and directors choose to store to tell a story yeah and she used to give hints to the audience. And one of them was her nails and her hands. There was a lot of focus on her hands that were close up, whether she was touching her face or touching Jack. Um, there was a lot of emphasis on that. And then when we switched to the scenes where she's their flashbacks to before and her nails are bare and her hands look very different, but it's still focused on that. And that's how you know that it's a different universe sort of. Yeah. Um, and she's not the same. So I, I picked up on that immediately. Um, yeah. So I just love little nuances like that. And like <laughs> we walked out of, the, out of the theater and I was like, you know, I do agree with Harry. It is, you know, a, <laughs> a movie, movie. <laughs> that makes you go to the screen and go to it's a film that just makes you appreciate like the movies. movies. Yeah. And you just got to go to the theaters and just watch the movie. It's really a go to the theater kind of movie yeah like i when you said that i was like yeah it really is it really is because it really felt like like this felt like a film that i would have studied in my art of film class yes i i wanted to pick apart every single scene and every single motif that brought us all the way through Mm -hmm. and it was so well done well speaking of motifs another one of my favorite parts that they did that was essentially foreshadowing and also just teasing of what this world is was the connection of circles and the eye. All the symmetry. Yes. Like, you would see the the girls dancing with the legs. Oh, my God. I was also thinking about filming that scene. I'm like, these girls are so in sync. <laughs> and their heels all line up. And Did they, they just hire the cool Rockettes? Like- <laughs> Who knows? But, and then you always saw, like, the eyeball. Or like, the freaking cornea. And it was just zoomed in. And you're like, why are we seeing this eye right now? Like, it was the first thing we saw when she touched... When she went to the headquarters and touched the wall. Yep. That was the first thing you saw was she went, there was this eye. And then I loved, because this whole time I was like, what does an eye have to do with this world? Like, what is this leading to? And then so in the end, when we did find out how they're in this world is through the eye. It's like a scanner on the eyeball. Yeah. So that's essentially what she's seeing and kind of that connection. And I thought that was really cool. There were so many circles in this movie, whether it was a mirror, the eye, the dancers, um, 
like blood splatters, the mm-hmm. the breakfast, the eggs, the coffee, yeah. all of that. There were so many circles, and I thought it was really cool that they played into that motif throughout yeah. the movie. I also wonder if that eye that she kept seeing, because the scenes where she was like in the treatment or when she had like the eye scanner thing, um, yeah, I felt like there was a sequence of scenes or footage that they were showing her to brainwash her essentially Mm -hmm. and i felt like that was all part of it and then i was wondering if that eye is is frank's eye oh because it's his voiceover that's playing and he says like that line about chaos and symmetry and all that um and it's just brainwash 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 so i was like is it the leader's eye i feel like it's interesting yeah yeah, it's not too far of a jump well back to that of other scenes that were repetitive in the movie so we always saw the breakfast they had the same breakfast every day mm-hmm. coffee bacon eggs toast cutting the toast all except when the eggs were like empty oh yeah what the fuck was that, that? Was so weird and then um they had a roast for dinner every day it was always the meat so i was talking to my brother about it and he was saying how he didn't love the close-up shots of the meat he was like it freaked him out or something <laughs> okay and i was like well, no, it was the storytelling, like, she used the breakfast shots to to show you, like, this is the start of a new day, and then the dinner was, she's prepping dinner, and this is what they eat. Right. It was also to show you that they eat the same thing every day. Every day. It's like a freaking cartoon. It's like a simulation. Like, it's the same thing every single day. So there's clearly something going on. But they're, they're not, like, aware of it, because she's like, I made your favorite. Yeah, roast. <laughs> and then every the next day... day She's asleep and he comes home and he's he's like, oh, I'm making roast. And I'm like, you yeah. just had that yesterday. You know, that was the first thing when I was like, why are you making the same thing? And then I started kind of figuring out, oh, they have the same thing every single day. Yeah. The fact that they changed outfits was mind blowing to me. I'm like, oh, <laughs> they can wear different outfits. Yeah. And honestly, a lot of different outfits. The fashion was pretty cool. Like, oh, so good. Pretty good. I also loved, too, um, the... Every scene when the wives would uh, go outside to say goodbye to their husbands yes. off to work, all the other wives were all dressed up, ready for the day, and then Florence She's like in his shirt. was just in his shirt and like no makeup on, not ready. I was like, I love you. Like, it's yeah, so I thought that was so cute. interesting. And then all the men like drive away at once. Yeah. So just real quick, an annoyance I had during the movie. So I was fully engrossed in this movie. Could not take my eyes off of it. Loved the whole thing. However. Do you remember this? The saran wrap scene when yeah. the girls next to us were just giggling. They were laughing the whole time. The I was like, time. no, you don't understand what's happening right now. Like, this is not funny. I'm like, what are you? It was so childish. It really pissed me off. Yeah. Because I'm like, this scene is so important right now. Yeah. Um, So that was just a little side note of something that irritated me. Um, Harry Styles' dance scene at the party <laughs> was so funny. Yeah. And also. He's like full tap dancing. <laughs> Yeah, but it was also kind of weird because Frank was, like, basically treating him like a puppet of, like, should we have him spin again? Go ahead, spin again, spin, spin, like, all this stuff. And, like, the dancing wasn't good, it wasn't sexy, it wasn't supposed to be, you know? Right. Um, but it was just so weird. And then the fact that his wife is having a full-ass mental breakdown in the bathroom. I don't know. I guess I, I did leave with a few questions about the the simulation and about the world the men are all acting like their jobs and their promotion are the most important thing 
I mean, I don't know how many of the men are like Jack in that the men know because like Olivia Wilde's character knew. But I felt like that whole scene was Frank showing Alice that he was in control. Yeah. And that, yeah, Jack was one of his puppets and going along with it. And she's challenging this and asking all these questions. And he's over here, like, I think also using Margaret as sort of a threat or what happened to Margaret as a threat of saying, oh, no, she like Ted got fired. Yeah. And so that could happen to your husband. Yeah. Um, But it's so interesting because, like, they don't have real jobs. Right? Right. Okay. So, like, so, why was he acting like he was promoting Jack and Jack's just like, yeah, this is all fake, but I'm going to go along with it? Right. So this is what I want to dive into, which is something that I didn't realize until I had a conversation with my, with my brother about it, literally on the drive here, to record this episode. He brought up a good point that I would not thought about at... In the, the, towards the end of the movie, when you got to see Jack in the real life, like in the real world, and he was coming home in that dirty apartment, going inside, going to the bedroom, and you saw Alice in the bed with the eye thing on, and then he got into bed, put the eye thing on, went back into the world. Yes. So he was saying how when you saw the husbands going off to work, they would drive off into the desert as if they were going to the headquarters where you touch and go back to the real world. As if do these husbands every day when they leave for work, leave this world and go actually work in the real world to earn money to afford to be able to live this life? Yeah, that's what he said. Jack literally said that in the film. Like I work my ass off. I work my ass off so you can be happy here. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't think about that until my brother had mentioned it. And I was like, oh, I didn't even connect those dots of that he goes out back into the real world and works a real job. Like, is he working for Frank in this real world? Right. Those are my questions. Yeah. Like, what is this quote unquote promotion or is this all just part of the ruse and like trying to get people to go along? Right. Yeah. I, I don't know. And then I was also saying, like, why would the husbands do that? Like... I get it if they want to take care of their wife and give them the life that they think they deserve or that they want, but it's no life for them. Well, no, but I wonder if, well, obviously Jack was doing it as like part of wanting a better life for Alice. Yeah. So I think that this was like his sacrifice to give her a better life. But also, I wonder if they are actually going to work for Frank or somebody and they're almost getting paid to be part of this social experiment. Like, are the people that know and the men that leave work every day, like, is there a control group, essentially, that Mm -hmm. knows that the experiment is going on and they're, they're there to help the experiment continue? And then the wives, with the exception of Bunny, um, which... That's, like, a totally different case because she knows. So, like, she knows that her husband is just, like, going off. Right. And not She chose this life. Right. And so it's, like, yeah, are the men sort of, like, the control group and the wives are, like, really in the experiment? And, like, how much does it take to get them completely immersed? How, like, what kind of brain does it take to challenge the experiment and figure it out? Yeah. Is the fact that Frank... Is, the, is Frank wanting Alice to challenge him 
to, to grow Im- the experiment yeah to improve yeah. it so that people don't challenge it in the future yeah and the whole time the movie was going on i was trying to figure it out because i knew that they were in like um some sort of simulation yeah some different world right something. some sort of experiment but honestly i i guess i i didn't predict the simulation part of it with like the projector playing mm-hmm. over the eyes I was really thinking that it was a social experiment in, yep, they brainwashed them. They don't remember anything before this. And, they, like, they took their actual physical body A physical body else. is yeah. in this made-up town in the middle of the desert, and they built this whole thing. That's what I was thinking, They too. think that they're in the 1950s. They don't remember anything else. They don't know any better. Like, very Truman Show in a snow globe situation. Yes. yes. Yeah. So, that was my prediction. But then they went the simulation route. So. Yeah little tidbit that i thought was a great addition to the movie was the fact that jack had an american accent in the real world yeah so and then it was like chosen nationality british yeah and it just added to this idealistic luxury fantasy world of victory that he would be clean cut suit working hard and british like god he looks so good he looks so good and i just thought that was such a good touch to add to that fantasy of this world um well when i first saw the trailer and i saw he like kind of has an accent i thought because it was 50s i thought he was going eastern atlantic accent right yeah because people were giving him shit because a clip was released and he kind of sounded like he had an american accent but wasn't it was a bad one because some british was coming out so people were giving him shit about it and then i saw a girl review the movie and be like harry styles is british in this movie i don't know what y'all are talking about but actually the scenes where he did have an american accent he did well he did do well i was like yeah that's an american accent yeah granted he didn't talk much so i think that no that saved him in that pretty bad (laughs) <laughs> oh my god i know he looked so bad i was saying to someone today and i was like honestly thank god harry styles isn't poor or else he would look rough like honestly money makes you pretty the amount of actors all these all this money allows them to look the way that they look oh yeah and if harry styles was poor and he looked like that oof lord save us that would not be good everyone's always like she looks so good and i'm like she has so much botox on her face yeah like, she got teeth whitening. Mainly, like, the men that get the fillers in their hair from their receding hairline. Oh, yeah. The amount of that. And, like, Pete Davidson with fixing his teeth. Just money makes you oh, pretty. Yeah. Like, money yeah. makes you pretty. Yeah. Okay? It just does. Um. So, let's talk about the dinner scene. Oh, my gosh. The big confrontation. Dude. That whole dinner situation. Yeah. It was intense. Like, first off. We already talked about the scene in the kitchen between Frank and Alice. But then when Jack is pulling out the, like, Frank sits at one end of the table. And then when Jack is pulling out the chair to sit at that other end of the table. And then Alice is like, oh, thank you. And sits down. And then Jack's face is like, uh, what the fuck? And then he's not about to say anything because his boss is there and he's got company and he's being polite. So he just sits down. But I was like, oh, this is going to be good. Like, I knew when that happened. I was like, this is, here we go. Yeah. Like, buckle up. (laughs) I know. And then, well, we had that moment and we also had the moment in the kitchen of Frank sort of challenging her. Like, oh, I wish... I wanted wanted so much more out of you. Yeah, expected more from you. Yeah. Yeah. But then Alice sits down at the head of the table and i'm like oh no like what is coming yeah and i thought i don't know what i thought i don't know how she was gonna play it but um 
she just starts going at him and she starts like trying to convince everyone at the table but she does it so interestingly she's like so how did you and your husband meet she just asked them all questions nothing she says is ever directed towards frank no which is a genius way to go about it right and then she's like basically placing doubt in everyone else's mind which is the way that she started because margaret Mm -hmm. um started placing doubt and having these thoughts and saying these things and that's what started getting alice to ask the questions yeah well those questions too were so interesting because this was all things that the us the audience hadn't learned yet exactly we didn't know they all had the same meeting or that they're all from three different places which only fueled my theory because this is before we found out the simulation situation so this only fueled my theory that they were physically taken from certain places like chicago philadelphia and there was some boston boston yeah and then we all honeymooned in the same place but then when she got to how they met on the train that's when i was like oh no this is a story that they're feeding you yeah because she said that everyone meets yeah by the woman drops her ticket and the husband picks it up and Mm -hmm. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It was very interesting. And then Frank just leaning over and being like, she's not well. Like, there's a bug going around and all this stuff. But then Shelly. So she was a very interesting character that I want to talk about. So uh, Gemma Chan did so good playing Frank's wife. She's gorgeous. She is gorgeous. Oh, my God. She's so gorgeous. There was a close up on her. Just her face. And I was just like. Eyes, cheekbones, eyelashes, chin, mouth, lip, like gorgeous. That's love. perfect. Oh my God, I love her. She's so good. Um, but with the like ballet scenes, like the dance classes, everyone was just so kind of scared of her. And she had this very stoic look about her and just elegance and beauty. And they were all like literally terrified of her. And at the dinner table, she kind of stands up for her husband and is kind of calling alice like a spoiled brat essentially is what she says and then um she took quite a turn towards the end of this movie oh yeah she did and so when that scene happened at the dinner table and i'm like okay she's supportive of her husband and then everything got we learned everything about this world of like some of the wives are trapped there so on and so forth so that got me wondering of like what's going on with her does she know what's going on is she trapped there and then so when we got that scene at the end of the movie, when Frank turns around and she just stabs him and twists the knife. Oof, that part. Oh, my God. And what did she call him? Well, she was just like, you're an asshole. What did she, she no, say? No, she said, you stupid, stupid man. You, yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. That was intense. And honestly, for a second, I wasn't sure where they were going with that. For a split second, I really thought that she was the head of this whole experiment. She puts a man in front. He screws it up. She says, you stupid, stupid man. Oh. And that's kind of where I went with it because I was like, okay, Olivia Wilde, female director, female run experiment. Like, what are we doing here? So that's kind of where my head went. Interesting. Yeah. Which I, I love, like, interpreting, interpreting it in different ways. Yeah. But I do agree with you in the sense that, like, I don't know. Did she mean he's stupid for, like basically letting Alice stay and ask questions and poke holes and yeah like what is she calling him stupid about right I just thought she was over this world and wanted out I think maybe it was also like you stupid stupid man like you 
essentially let Alice figure it out. And now I know that I'm trapped here. So you let me figure it out. Yeah. Like you're stupid for letting me figure it out. Or you're ruining this and I'll just take over or something like that's kind of where I went with it, How yeah. interesting. Honestly, I was just so excited that Frank died. I never even thought... <laughs> I never even... You suck. <laughs> I, I never even thought about the reasoning of why she killed him. Like, why did her husband kill him? I don't know. I love your idea or your theory of that she was actually the front runner of it and he was just the face of it. Like, that's very interesting to me. Yeah, that's But kinda... why would she trap women there? It doesn't make sense. I don't know. I mean, so that that brings me back to my theory or like my questions about Bunny, who knows that she's in the experiment, but then her husband still leaves the experiment every day. Yes. So I'm like, okay, it's not like she knows and she leaves the experiment every day and he's trapped here. Like, how does this work? Which speaking of, I knew something was up with Bunny. I knew that she knew something, but I didn't know what it was. And then so when Alice killed fr- uh, killed Jack, she killed her husband, and then she comes in, and then she starts act, you know, acting all weird, like she starts knowing things. And then so when she says, no, I, I know, I chose this life, then I immediately was like, okay, I knew that you knew something. Didn't know that's what it was, but I was like, okay, I knew something. And then my head immediately went to, oh, I bet it's because of her kids. I bet she either can't have kids in the real world or something like that because they they pointed out multiple times that she had kids and no one else really did. Right. Well, the other and lady was pregnant, but I don't know how that works, yeah. so whatever. Um, And so I had a feeling it had something to do with her kids. So when she said, she was like, no, my kids are alive here. I can be with them here. Like, I chose this life. Yeah. But it is still interesting. Does her husband know? What did they choose this together and she just gets to live the life in this, you know, quote unquote paradise? That, right. you know? Well, if what they say is is true about or like like what Jack says about how he has to leave every day to go make money for her to be here. I feel like the same as with Bunny, like sh- her husband has to leave every day to make money for them to stay there. Um, but when it came to her knowing I had the same thought that she knew something but i really thought it was because her husband was spilling secrets oh like because there's this scene with alice bunny and i think peg Mm -hmm. in like the shopping center or whatever which that was the first maybe not the first because of margaret but like that was one of the main things that hinted to me that people were trapped here was because there was literally women in showcases like basically doing qvc in a window (laughs) the vacuum yeah showing you how to use a vacuum in case you didn't know yeah so that was super weird but basically peg starts like asking questions and she's like well my husband said they're like they may they might be making weapons weapons and blah blah blah." and bunny's like peg like stop it like shut up basically yeah so we always knew that bunny was a little sus but yeah she was also really funny she had good comedy in this like, obviously, I wouldn't say this movie's funny, but, like, the kind of housewife she was oh, always yeah. had the martini in the morning and, like, yelling at her kids and yeah. gossiping. Like, it was a good comedy aspect to it. Like, I laughed a couple times in this movie. I was like, oh, that's, that's yeah, funny. Yeah. Like, Olivia Wilde did good as that character. Speaking of the martini, another one of my theories throughout the movie, because the whole time I was just, like, trying to figure it out. Right. I was trying so hard. And so another one of my theories was that, like, 
they were spiking the drinks. Like whoever was running the experiment was like encouraging this society that drank so heavily and that there was like something in there that that was like continuing the brainwashing or whatever. Well, same with the food because at the dinner, Alice said, said "What is he putting all, in this food?" It's like, all variety milk, variety eggs. Yeah, we or don't know victory. Anything. Sorry, victory. Yeah, and she was like, "We don't know what any of this is. We don't know what they're doing to us." Um, so that was really interesting. The one thing that did I was a little disappointed in, but that was purely because I genuinely really liked Jack and Alice's love story in yeah. this victory world i thought they were so cute they were so in love with they each actually other. had such good chemistry yes yeah, so they did so good and i was secretly hoping that jack had nothing to do with it i was hoping yeah. they were both trapped there yeah and that they were both going to figure out how to get out and so when it came out that he knew and he chose this and he essentially trapped her yeah the what i took from it when we got the tidbit into their real life was that he was a piece of shit and she dumped him on his ass. Yeah. And he hated that. And so he wanted to, like, help her and have her not work so hard and also essentially trap them together so that they were together because I took it as she left him. Yeah, I'm not sure I took it as she left him. I think that it was more of a fight, but I did take it as, like, he was so low and so desperate to hold on to their relationship to her and he had to come through as a man i think that's what the experiment is really talking about he had this idea of like i need to take care i need to provide this is how i'm gonna do it she's gonna be happy she won't have to work so hard she won't work at all yeah um but i i also wonder if there's a saving grace in the sense that um he wouldn't like have kids with her in the experiment i know he said it at one point was like let's have a baby but the whole time it was like no like we're not gonna have kids we're just having fun like yeah i wonder what that was i wonder if initially they didn't want it and especially he didn't want it because he knew they wouldn't be real right i think that that's like even more devastating is to create this like even more perfect fake life and then i don't know how the experiment ends like at some point she has to figure out that it's not real um or maybe they didn't want kids before i don't know yeah well and i want to talk about the scene when she when she kills him like why was he hugging her so tight that she couldn't breathe like what was going on in that situation that was so confusing honestly he was begging her to to stay and that he loved her I think that comes back to, like, the desperation. He was so desperate to hold on to her, like, physically holding <laughs> like, on to her. yeah. And um, I think that she was on the verge of, like, blowing everything up again. Yeah. And, like, he probably also thought that, like, if they figure out that whatever um, brainwashing that they did on her, again, wouldn't work. Um, or if they found out that what whatever they did like didn't work and she's asking all these questions again and she figured it out again and she remembered her old memories again that they'd probably kill her yeah and he was probably trying to hold on to her and be like let's just play along let's just stay here we'll figure it out like you're you were happy here yeah so i think that he was just trying to hold on so hard i did love that fight they had and i want to give props to well obviously florence Pugh 
incredible actress but i want to give props to harry because i thought he did really good acting in this movie way better than i thought he would do same i'm not sure he's like oscar worthy but he did impress me for like his acting level um and it felt really oh my god the scene where they fucking drag her out of the car and he's like i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry and and he's just sobbing and she is screaming and grabbing on so like that was traumatizing to watch beautiful um but really well done oh my god yes like that i was like holy shit that's harry styles fucking pulling off this scene right now like that's crazy and then the fight they were having when she was yelling at him and she was he was like you were miserable and she's like i loved my job like she was like it was my life you took away my life and that's when the whole point of this movie clicked for me because yes i had this idealistic version of like oh they'll be happy and get out of it together and live happily ever after but that's not the case like she got fucked over by a guy and he thought he knew what was better for her instead of giving her the choice and yes she worked hard and was exhausted every day but it was the life she chose like she wanted to do that yeah and it was it was great yeah definitely a huge commentary on like gender roles and society and the way that like the scene where she comes home from work and she's like i just worked a 30-hour shift i'm so tired and he's like i'm starving i haven't eaten and she's like why didn't you eat and he's like well i didn't know what you wanted and he never texted me back so that just shows like he was a piece of shit yeah And so I think that it was this moment of realizing, like, the way, not all men, I'm not going to put every man in that bucket, but a lot of modern day relationships are approaching this battle of, like, yeah, 50s through, I don't know, probably, like, 2000s was really, like, man provides and, you know, man has the job, stay-at-home mom, stay-at-home housewife, all this stuff. And now we're in this age where women work, women want to work, women love their job, women are loving, like, finding success and ambition in their career. And it does create this inner battle of, like, what society tells you, what you want, what's best for your partner, what's best for your life together. Um, And then he just tries to swoop in and make it all better Mm -hmm. and completely takes away her autonomy her choice her independence like Mm -hmm. that's horrible well it's all a balance of ego it's like you have to be comfortable enough in your masculinity and you have to be comfortable enough with like this woman and her power essentially and it's all you know relationship to really to relationship differences like everyone has their own balance that they need but he was clearly feeling inferior and that he needed to do more and took that choice away from her and yeah. thought he knew what was best for her. And that's just not how you how you do it. Yeah. But still, so the way this movie ended left so many questions. Yeah. Like, first of all, what the fuck is the Victory Project? What are they doing? They're not. It's all fake. Do we know? What were they? Like, how, how do we know that? What was all the shaking that was going on? in the Um, world and like what were they doing in the real world like what jobs were they doing like you said earlier were they working for frank in the real world what was happening and then also what 
happened to Frank? What's the deal with his wife? Well, my question is like, why does dying in the simulation equate dying in real life? Yes. Can't you just like snap your eyes open? Right. Well, my question is, Bunny said when men die here, they die in the real world. But she specified men. Does that right. mean when the women... Like, is Margaret alive? Like, when they... they She only specified men as if oh the women God, don't die. Margaret. But, like, why? That doesn't make any sense to me. Why is the men different than the women? They did say that, like, because Alice left once when she touched it the first time. They were able to bring her back. But then they said... Bunny said, you can go now. They can't bring you back a second time. So if you leave, you're out. Okay, hear me out. Okay. What if maybe it's not that like the simulation itself kills the man in real in the real world, but because the man knows about the simulation that they then go and kill him to shut him up. Huh. And then because Alice knows then they wouldn't have brought her back in because she would have figured it out again. I don't know if they would have killed her in the real world, but say a woman dies in the simulation, she probably just, like, wakes up in her own bed. Yeah. And, like, I don't know. But how did they bring her back the first time? They did another, like, brain shock, brainwash situation. Wait, but if she woke up in the real world... How did they put her eyeball, like, the little eye scanner back on her to bring her back? Because she woke up in bed in victory, not knowing what happened the past five hours. Yeah, but then remember Jack, like, came in the middle of the day when he wasn't supposed to be there? Yeah. Jack put her back in. Oh. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Then he was cooking dinner. That scene was cute when he was like, oh, I'm making dinner. And then the mashed potatoes things. Yeah. She's like, you gotta boil them first, He was mashing them with a bottle of whiskey. (laughs) That was so fucking funny. Yeah, but, like, I mean, you opened a whole new question for me involving Shelly and what her involvement yeah. is and why she killed Frank and what was going on. Because the line, you stupid, stupid man, was so poignant. Like, the way that she said that, especially because we didn't know. We're watching Frank go through this. Frank's getting phone calls, updates, like, she's running away. She's driving away. She knows. Mm-hmm. And then... We're not we're not seeing Shelly. Yeah. And so I don't know how much she knows. Is she overhearing Frank's phone calls? Like, how much does she know? And then from the audience's point of view, not seeing her and not knowing what she knows or doesn't, I'm assuming that she knows more because she knows what all those phone calls to Frank were about. Yeah. So then Frank fucks it up. She kills him. Stupid, stupid man. Yeah. Huh. Well, and also, I loved the last shot of this movie. Like, I love that we get Alice running and leaving, and then it cuts to black, and then you just hear her wake up. She does, like, a, like, she, like, you just hear Florence's voice, and then it just says, don't worry, darling. Like, I loved the ending of that movie. The fact that we got no, like, resolution in the real world. Of course not. Like, the only thing you know is that she did make it out. What happens afterwards, who the fuck knows? But I thought it was such a good way to end that movie. I love when movies end like that. In a sense of, like, you have enough closure to be able to sleep at night. (laughs) But you still have all these questions. So many questions. But I'm also wondering, like, would would there have been an end credit scene? Did we leave too early? People did stick around. We haven't heard any buzz about an end credit scene. You're right. You're right. Um. I think that's too on the nose. I don't think they would do that. I think that uh, the ending the... was so intentional that th- 
I didn't think that there would be, but yeah. now I'm like, was there? I don't know. I know. I am thinking, I obviously do not want a sequel. There doesn't need to be a sequel. No. But I do think that there's so many unanswered questions of what happens next. But I think also, like, in the words of Harry Styles, it's really a quite a movie. <laughs> I don't even know what he says. But, um, no, I was just being funny but um i think that one of the tributes of a great film is that it sparks conversations like these you interpreted it in a way that i didn't and also i took um like or i have more thoughts on certain scenes than you do whereas you're weighing on other scenes and we're both having different experiences and opinions on it and having an awesome discussion which i think is what films should be about absolutely like Full credit to Olivia Wilde, full credit to Florence Pugh and Harry Styles and all that were involved in this movie. It was yeah. so freaking good. And I cannot recommend it enough to people. Like, yeah. I say put aside the drama, or even if the drama is what gets you to go to the movie to watch this, like, you know, so be it. Enjoy the movie. Enjoy, it's fantastic. Yeah. Okay, I do have one slight critique. Okay. But I also have a dispute to my critique. Okay. So... My main thought was that I felt like we could have done a Bridgerton situation and I thought that we could have been a lot more diverse in the cast. Whereas Bridgerton, like, basically... It's about 50-50. Basically, like, accepted the fact that... Or not accepted, but basically, like, erased the racism. Yeah. Sort of. And, like, just had people of color in all areas of nobility. Yeah. And here, I was like... After the ending, I was thinking about it, and I was like, you know, if all these random people are in a simulation, odds are you're going to have more people of color than what we saw. I didn't love that the one main woman of color, other than Shelly, um, Margaret, was the crazy one that killed Was herself. the crazy one yeah. that had these thoughts, that was outcast from the friend group, that was labeled as weird or paranoid, and like... Yeah, you, you shunned the black girl. Yeah. Is what it reads. I agree, yeah. My dispute is, would the experiment have worked as well if they didn't believe they were in a white 1950s society? Mm. Yeah, fair. So, it's unfortunate, but I, I would have loved to have seen a more diverse cast. However, I do think that the cast was amazing. Yeah. Um, I would have loved to have seen a more diverse cast, but was it also, like, a choice that could be defended should it be i don't know right but also speaking of margaret we got that whole tidbit about her kid she took the kid out into the desert what happened to that kid oh he wasn't real he's not real you know what my theory is huh uh the people running this like frank in them yeah so kid's not real kid's in the simulation she goes out into the desert she's asking too many questions they just take that kid away from her yeah it's a punishment yeah. They just take that fake kid like, away. Well, we gifted you to him. Right. And now we're going to take it away. Right. Whoa, yeah. This scene, though, that whenever Alice was freak, when her and um, Jack were fighting and she was like, the kids, and she started crying. And then oh, he my God. Immediately got on his knees like, the kids aren't real. The kids aren't real. I needed that. Oh, my God. It All of that whole scene was beautiful. Florence and Harry's chemistry was so good in this they movie. They did really well. They sold it. They were a couple in love, madly yeah. in love with each oh, other. Yeah. And it, it read well on yeah. the screen. Um, I really enjoyed it. I did too. Like, I would watch it again. 
Probably not in theaters, but I, I would watch the movie again. No, I would watch it again. I Just was like, I think we would pick up on different things me that we too. missed out. Yeah. And we remember quite a bit from this movie, and we picked up on a lot of stuff, but I would love to watch it again to see what we missed. Yeah, 100%. And I would love, like, I want everyone to watch it, and I want everyone's opinion on it, because yeah. I'm loving the Talk to me about it. If you watch it, yeah. tell us. <laughs> Send us a DM, you know. Slide in there. Yeah. I want to know, but no, it was so good. Loved it. Yeah, just the little touches of, like, I love in film, like, the unspoken communication, whether it's eye contact or, like, we're hearing her hum this song the whole time, and then the song is played, and Frank knows, and Frank did it on purpose. Yes. Well, like those and we also things. got a little little clip of Harry Styles singing, which was <laughs> yeah. lovely. They had I was wondering the whole time, I was like, is he going to sing in this movie? There's got to be something. And that's actually what snapped her back into reality, and then that's when she looked at him and was oh, like, yeah. what did you do? And then his it brought face the memories back. immediately was like, shit she knows that i know kind of a thing and that was the breaking point of it that was rough uh so good anyway if you see this movie let us know and share your thoughts because we would love to hear them follow us on instagram and tiktok we are at subtitles on or off podcast and we are on twitter at s-o-o-o podcast and next week, we're going to talk about the new release that is Hocus Pocus 2. Uh, I'm excited. Spooky season has begun. I'm excited and also not excited just because Hocus Pocus is one of my favorite movies. I don't think it needs a sequel. However, I will be watching it and we will <laughs> be course. talking about it. So I can't wait. I don't even know. I haven't even seen the trailer. Like, I don't even know the premise of it. We're jumping like 30 years. All I know, it's like it takes place in like 2021 or something. So it's yeah. so modern. And I'm like, ugh. I don't really care, but yes, tune in next week, and we hope you guys have a fabulous rest of your week, and we will see you later. Bye! Bye.